0: This is Gloria J. Brown Marshall, and this is Law of the Land. And I am doing a special show with Giovanni, our engineer. He and I are trying to make sure that you have a chance to actually... Um, have a place to give your thoughts and concerns about the passage of Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg. She passed away at age 87, and I know to many people was devastating. To some it was a shock. Although she had been diagnosed and was fighting pancreatic cancer, colon cancer, and it had slipped to her lungs, we saw her in her very small stature as being a mighty figure on the court, a mighty figure for women nationally And, of course, for the cause of justice internationally. She was known as someone who had been born and raised in Brooklyn, first attended Harvard Law School, and then transferred to Columbia, where she graduated. She was someone who led the fight for women's rights early in her career in the 1970s, being um, the person at the forefront of the litigation movement that would um, challenge the types of laws that would undermine the full citizenship rights of women. She was, of course, the subject of the movie In the Matter of Sex. If you haven't watched it, then you should. It tells the story of how she came to decide that gender discrimination would be her area of expertise. She was appointed to the Supreme Court, or I should say nominated by President Barack Obama she went through the um, appointment process and and uh, arrived on that court. She was the second woman on the U.S. Supreme Court after Justice Sandra Day O'Connor. And unfortunately, um, for our lives going forward, we know that the U.S. Senate, led by conservative Republicans, have decided without even giving us the names that they are going to Put forward and vote on someone to fill her position as soon as possible, probably before the election itself, that they are going to hold hearings, but have already decided that because they only need 51 Senate votes and there are 53 conservative Republican senators, then they are going to vote for and push through someone to take her seat. There had been discussions about who those people would be. A list was given out. Um, Some would say um, prematurely, but they were already conniving and the gnashing of teeth and the sharpening of knives were taking place when Justice Ginsburg was very much alive. She was, and I was told the recipient of an award by the National Constitution Center as 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 recent to her death as the night before. She died surrounded by family in the loving care of those members who knew her to be extraordinary. but also knew her to be mom or grandmom. They knew her to be the woman that she was, who they said had a wry but quiet sense of humor. I had the opportunity to interact with Justice Ginsburg when I covered the Supreme Court and attended um, receptions and dinners at the U.S. Supreme Court. I have a picture with myself standing six foot and then, of course, wearing heels on top of it, towering over her in that picture when my husband is with me. Both my husband, Justice Ginsburg, are now with the ancestors. We see that time follows a path and it can be a sad path but it has to also be an encouraging path because she was a willful warrior and we have to be willful warriors in her stead we have to know that she hung on as long as she possibly could with a fierce determination that she would as was pointed out in the Windsor case, the New York case, Windsor versus United States, in which we had um, um, uh, Mrs. or Ms. Windsor brought a case, she was discriminated against because she was in a same-sex marriage. And the oral argument that took place before the Supreme Court, I was, you know, uh, so honored that I was there to be a witness to this oral argument, in which Justice Ginsburg said that the contractual relationship that was in place before same-sex marriage people probably are thinking how could that be there was a time yes this was 2013 2013 in the windsor case and in that case we had um the 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 um idea that two women who had gotten married in canada and came back to new york and The the marriage ended with the death of of Edith Windsor's partner, and the U.S. tax code because it was seen not as a true marriage by law, meant that the Windsors had to pay money in taxes because of the money that was left to her by her partner. That case went to the U.S. Supreme Court, and Justice Ginsburg is famous for saying that this this contractual relationship as opposed to a true marriage recognized by law was something sort of like a skim-milk marriage, Instead of a full marriage, I quote full marriage and then this sort of skim milk marriage. And so that that phrase, a skim milk marriage, was one that also endeared her to many, that she was able to take these complex legal issues and present them in a way in which anyone can understand the difference between a whole milk marriage that everyone else had and a skim milk marriage that people of the same sex were supposed to settle for. And it was in that Windsor case that the first major blow to the ceiling of same-sex marriages was, was rendered by her um, in this opinion that was authored um, and and not by her but with the, the sense that in that oral argument that we f- we found where she would stand and, and Justice Kennedy authored that opinion and Justice Kennedy would go on to author the opinion um, later on in Obergefell that would once again um, smash the ceiling and in that smashing of the ceiling renders same-sex marriage equal to marriage of people of different genders. Now, I also want us to know that this is a time in which you can um, give your feelings, you can speak of your fears, concerns, or Maybe you have stories. Maybe you're from the neighborhood, the neighborhood that um, Justice Ginsburg grew up in, and you want to talk about that. That would be excellent to have someone who actually grew up with her, who knew her or knew some relatives in her family. She was known as the notorious RBG. Um, and that moniker was given to her uh, because of the notorious B.I.G. And Justice Ginsburg, even in her later years, in her 80s, when she was given this, and there were T-shirts and and jewelry and all of these things that, that had her crowned in much the way the notorious uh, B.I.G. was crowned. And she would say, well, we were both from Brooklyn And she would smile when she said that Um, she was also someone I could see when I was there in the court uh, for the cases, the oral argument cases that she was getting frail. You could tell by the way it took her so long to leave her seat when they said all rise and everyone would rise and you have to wait until the final justice has left the room before you could depart or sit back down. And it would take many moments for her to make it um, out of the courtroom. And we could see each year that she was becoming more and more frail. But something inside of us thought she was still going to carry on. I'd like to hear your thoughts about Justice Ginsburg, your thoughts about where we're going from here with a Senate, a conservative Senate that wants to push through their own nomination unchecked by the American people. And of course, this flies in the face of what happened with uh, President Barack Obama, who put forward Merrick Garland. And, and um, what happened with him was so much with Merrick Garland that they decided not even to have any type of discussion on the floor, that the conservatives who controlled the Senate at the time would not even have a discussion. So they said, oh, because this is the last year when Justice Scalia died and they wanted to fill that seat when President Obama nominated the judge of the Second Circuit, Merrick Garland, they said, no, because it's an election year. We should let the people decide by whoever gets chosen or whoever we saw chosen, um, D- um, Donald Trump, who was not elected by popular vote, but was selected by the Electoral College, and so they would not let Merrick Garland's um, nomination go forward to a discussion, to a vote at all. And now at the same point, they're saying hypocritically, of course, but being a hypocrite has nothing to do anymore with you know, the ability to govern because hypocrisy and the conservatives in the Senate and the conservatives across the, the country. Um, you know, embrace hypocrisy in a way in which they feel that the. The the end justifies the means and the hypocrisy is the means and they're willing to do it in order to get to their end. And their end goal is to take America back to the 1940s and 50s when we had white supremacy by conservative white men whose word counted as gospel, no matter how wrong they were. And the undermining of the rights of women, of people of color, of other uh, white liberals and so many people who have sat back and allowed this steamroll of hypocrisy to take place that is now so damaging to our country. But the number is 212-209-2877, 212-209-2877, to this is a special broadcast of Law of the Land because of the passing of Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg. WBAI 99.5 FM, WBAI.org is doing this special broadcast because she was from Brooklyn, New York. Because she was an iconic figure in the eyes of so many of us in the United States, her passing was a shock. We should have been prepared, but it seems like she would always bounce back after these illnesses. And so we thought once again she would bounce back. And so you may have thoughts that you would like to to address. You may have questions on what is the political process that takes place We know that the court is going to begin oral arguments as it does the first week of October, October 5th, and we go forward with eight justices. And that's another process that takes place because having eight justices means if it's split four-four, then what happens to that case? How is it decided? If, it's, if a case is split 4-4, four four, then the under the the um, court of the lower court, the court that was that's underneath, whether or not that court is a federal appellate court or a state appellate court, whatever that last court was before writ of certiorari is granted to the Supreme Court for a review, that court's decision stands. So for good or for bad, but we also know that these conservative Republicans and Donald Trump have nominated some of the um, most unqualified judges that we've seen in our nation's history, over 200 judges have been pushed into these federal court um, um, uh, positions of power. And the reason why it's so important for us to understand is not my saying that they're unqualified. The American Bar Association gives statements on people who are nominated for federal positions. And the the, um, American Bar Association has stated that there are many of these judges who have been put forward who are wholly unqualified or limited in their qualifications to be a federal judge, one of whom is someone who's sitting on the federal bench who had only been out of law school for six years and had barely practiced law, and this person is now a federal judge who is presiding over other lawyers. This is a situation we are encountering, so you can imagine how we're going to um, face or, you know, what we're going to face and how we're going to go forward if we allow the Senate to actually put forward whatever name. They already have a name. They've already decided ahead of time, even without a hearing, without putting the person forward to the full Senate to be questioned as to their qualifications, because the main qualification they want from any of these nominees from from Donald Trump is that they are a cult-like observance of his power, that they will follow cult-like his dictates. And there are a number of cases before the court that it will give anyone pause for concern because whether or not Donald Trump's tax returns have to be given has already been decided in the lower court. This is now before the Supreme Court. And so if we have a five, three court, five conservatives to three liberals, you can imagine, if you would, what the outcome of these cases involving Donald Trump would be. Or if we have another case involving um, Bush v. Gore, for example, as we did in the Florida case, and it goes to the U.S. Supreme Court, what would happen with all the different issues facing us going forward with this election, the mail-in ballots that it's, we've already had the U.S. Postal Service undermined so that there would not be an effective tool in allowing the majority of people to vote who are concerned about contracting the virus by going to the polling places. We have all these issues about where the polling places would be, whether or not they would be safe. All of these issues then affect the vote. These voting rights issues go before the U.S. Supreme Court on an expedited basis. All of these things will be affected by the U.S. Supreme Court and the composition of that court. So if, after this musical break, I would like to hear from you, 212-209-2877. Once again, for those of you tuning in, this is a special broadcast of Law of the Land that's taken into account the passing of Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg, dead at age 87, a jurist of historic stature loss to cancer is the headline and across the the country and in many places in the world we want to hear from you 212 209 2877 we'll be right back after this musical break what's going on with Marvin Gaye, we're trying to figure out what's going on and I want to hear from you because You, of course, will be the symbolic voice for so many asking that very same question. We lost Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg, and this is a special edition of Law of the Land with Gloria J. Brown Marshall. And you know my book, The Voting Rights War, speaks to the ongoing battles we have in the courts as well as the battles we've seen in the streets as people protest for their voting rights and stand together uh, from all backgrounds, wanting this country to be more of a democracy and less of an authoritative regime. Um, Ruth Bader Ginsburg was from Brooklyn, for those Brooklynites out there, and so we have our first caller on this special edition of Law of the Land. Hello, you're on the air. Hello, you're on the air for Law of the Land.
1: I think we might have lost her. Sometimes it happens. But okay. not to worry, we do have another caller that's on hold.
0: Thank you, Giovanni. And you're welcome. we'll have our next caller.
1: All right. Caller, you're on the air. Please tell us your name and where you're calling from.
0: Hi, my, my name is Dawn. I'm calling from um, Brooklyn. Wonderful, Dawn. This is Law of the Land, a special edition. How are you doing? And what uh, would you like to say about the passing of Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg?
2: Um, I know you're talking about that, but it's just one thing I want to say, and I'll just listen to you on the air to your response. Um, It was about the mailing voting. I just wanted to say, don't the people who don't want to to go to to vote, don't they go to the grocery store and line up? Don't they go to Target? Don't these, and even teachers, don't they go to all these places? But how come when it's time to, to voting, where you could see there would be fraud with mail if everybody wants to be so safe and they're so scared. But don't these same people line up with all the grocery stores? So that was just a comment. So i just want to, you know, listen on the radio to see if you have anything that you would want to say about that.
0: Okay. Thank you, Dawn. Um, I I, I do. I I think that it, it is true that I line up. I know I do. I line up at the post office. I line up at the grocery store. But some of these lines um, for the post office and the grocery store, some of them, and for the bank, sometimes might be a half an hour. I know I've stood in line for the bank, um, and I want to change banks, actually, because of this, uh, because they were understaffed and they had a bad system. And so I was in line for an hour. But in some parts of the country, people are in line to vote for hours, Uh, Someone was telling me yesterday that she was in line in Atlanta to vote for five hours. So people are being told to bring lawn chairs because they have not closed grocery stores so that the, to make the line longer, but they've actually closed a lot of the polling places. They've reduced the polling sites and some of these polling machines are not working. Um, in New York state, we know we have a new polling process for those of you who voted um, back in April or May, and I did, um, who voted in you know the midterm elections or the elections before. You know, there've always been issues issues at polling sites and most recently with the change in the way the mechanisms that we've used to vote there are issues with you know jammed papers um, especially when you have referendums it takes time to read the referendum to understand it there are a number of things that delay our ability to get in and out of polling sites so it's not just what's happening here in new york city Uh, Because we're talking about national issues. So if you only have one or two polling sites because they've been reduced intentionally to undermine the ability of people to vote, especially if they feel those polling sites are going to be places where people who are Democrats will vote, then you see that it's called voter suppression with the intention of making it more difficult. I don't think the grocery stores are trying to make it more difficult for us to buy groceries, but I do think that those conservatives are making it more difficult for people to vote, giving rise to hours of standing in line to vote and therefore making people much more vulnerable to catching the virus. So initially, I think people who are also working in the polls have to think about their safety, because people who are working in the grocery stores are being subjected to any number of, of outsiders coming in with possibilities of being infected. They're wearing masks. You have some places where they still don't want to wear masks. You have places where, you know, you're going to have, for example, um, Donald Trump and William Barr have have initiated thugs, and I'm calling them thugs, T-H-U-G-S, thugs, thugs who are now being deputized as poll watchers, $20 million being poured into communities. So we're thinking of the city where you're standing in line for maybe 20 minutes, maybe 40 at the most for our services, we have to think broader than that. We have to think rural areas. We have to think other cities. We have to think of places around the country. So when we think about democracy, think about people who are undermining that democracy by making it more difficult, intentionally making it more difficult for us to vote and so, yes, if one can vote because it is as easy or as uh, as easy as it's become to go to the store or to the post office or to the bank and stand in line, then maybe they should go ahead and stand in line. However, if we're talking about, and this has happened in places in, in this city as well as um, around the country, we are talking about an hour, two hours, three hours. It might even be five or six hours where people are standing in line, then it becomes crucial for us to understand that we are subjecting people to the possibility of infection by coronavirus. We are undermining the possibility of, of people being able to care for their children, to educate their children during that time period in which they're supposed to be at home, um, taking their children through their lessons, and people who have jobs. There are many ways in which people are having to choose between their right to vote and their, their health. Their, their their right to um, earn a living and their ability to take care of their family. So it becomes, I think, a little more complex than just the the, the walk and stand in line to the store. Um, do we have another caller? People? Yes, are... we do.
1: We have four callers on hold, actually.
0: Thank you. And this You're is welcome. Giovanni and Giovanni hey, and I are together um, uh, giving this. Special broadcast of Law of the Land given the death of Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Okay, so you're on Law of the Land. We have the next caller. Hi. Hi, hello. You're on the you? air.
2: Uh yeah, this is George from New Jersey. How are you? I'm um, doing
0: well, George.
2: Good. Uh it's about Ruth's decisions, I heard she had a couple that were a little bit um off her mark her usual mark of uh, I guess um, Democratic, left wing, whatever she's classified as. But I do have a. Uh, I just can't believe we're still using such an archaic system as to hire seven or nine people that are bought into by a power system, that's a political power system to divide the country in half. Now you divide the nine people in half, and you screw around with your justice system, trying to see who can make points with the night the best brief. You know, I mean, it's just ridiculous that we're still. Isn't there something better than this? And then they get these lifetime appointees. These people aren't even aware of the intricacies of TikTok and everything else that's coming out. And some hundred-year-old ladies up there, you, got no, you know, what, what day it is, as, as far as computers and stuff like this is concerned, and all the uh, legalities that might go along with that. But to have nine people appointed like this, as some kind of God, to have a, a lifetime position, is just absurd to so any kind of democracy, any kind of justice. Any kind of, you know, just normal, normal behavior. It's not normal to elect nine people as kings through your
0: justice system for the rest of your lives. That's all I got to say. God rest well, thank, soul, you. thank you. Thank you, George. They away- thank you, George. You know, I, I think it's very interesting. Um, it, it The reason why federal court judges, not bankruptcy judges, but federal court judges sit for life is because they're supposed to be outside of the realm of running for office. Because politicians, and I'm not a great supporter of the, the average politician that promises you everything just to get in office and then disappears until re-election. Um, and if you sense derision in my voice, it's true and sincere. But I do understand the framers of the Constitution thought that if we had um, federal judges sit for life, Then they wouldn't have to run for office, make promises, be um, connected politically to one party or another. Unfortunately, despite wanting people to have a neutral focus and just keep their eyes on the law itself and on justice, it has become a very um, polarized system, a very politicized system, especially when we have a president like Donald Trump who puts forward names and who are cult-like followers of his. Um, Whether or not the the age of the person, when they get into these later later years because they sit for life, um, is going to make the biggest difference when we have incompetent people who are 30s in their 30s and 40s who are put in these positions. They may or may not know about the intricacies of technology. I have no idea if it's age-based or not, but I will say that um, what it comes down to is supposed to be the sense that they are going to be unbiased when it comes to the application of the law. And the, cults, um, the cult-like um, attraction to Donald Trump and those who follow Donald Trump I think has led to um, an unending um, criticism of anything that's not um, followers or following the the precepts of people who want to take this country back to the 1940s and 50s. So if any judge or justice is of a mindset of taking the country back to a point of division racial division, gender division, et cetera. then I don't think that's what the majority of people want. But we're going to see when it comes to this list of people who could um, possibly be the next justice um, taking her place. And so we have a number of calls. And let's go to another call. We're on the line talking about Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg's passing. And you're on the air with Law of the Land in this special broadcast with Gloria J. Brown Marshall. Hello.
1: Uh, is that me? Can you hear me?
0: Yes, I can.
1: Oh, hi. Uh, yeah, this is Krisha, and uh, I'm driving here, but I'm trying to stay focused on um, all the many very valid and interesting points that you've made. Um, you know, it's interesting because getting back to the uh, voting uh, aspect, um, I'm not sure, but I don't believe you mentioned, according to what I understand about the subject from what I've read, um the voting machines um, are very easily hacked. Um, I've seen reference to children being able able to hack into a voting machine within like 12 minutes or something. I mean, we know that that's gonna happen, okay? I think, anyway, uh, my personal opinion. But, and then the other thing too is lots of voting polls being closed in strategic areas. At inopportune times, like the day of, uh, a lot of people being purged from the voting rolls won't have the time necessarily to check on that and 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 correct it um, if you know they leave it to the last minute to you know wait to the voting day itself. Um, and then the other thing is, I I'm just trying to figure out exactly how we can avoid. You know, the government as it is becoming more and more corrupt, even on up to the Supreme Court level, I'm, I'm afraid to say, how can people gain more power? You know, we want a more democratic system, if it's slowly dissolving, slowly dwindling away. I, I don't know. I think one of the things is we do have to limit some of the gentlemen who just we have to limit the terms on, you know, the people who are part of Congress, the people who are in the Supreme Court. The terms are too long. Mitch McConnell's been in there way too long. He's wielded way too much power and in a very negative, detrimental way to our country.
0: So, well, thank you so much. I'm going to have to limit. We have other callers. Um so one of the, the major issues put forward, I think there were two this caller put forward, I think are very important. One was what's going on with our, our access to voting and the the fact that as far as I know, Um, We don't own the technology. We, being the state government or the federal government, we're actually buying the technology from a corporation. So they have the key to our voting booths. They know what the technology is with our voting um, mechanisms. And, you know, there has been a debate about the hackability of our voting machines. The second one is going back to how long people stay in office. If we want to have term limits, as we have term limits, Limits in the city. And we saw what happened with Mayor Bloomberg. We had term limits in New York City that a mayor could only sit for two terms. And then as soon as um, we have uh, Giuliani, after um, being in in office for two terms, and then 9 11, he wanted to be in office for a third term. Mike Bloomberg, as candidate, said, no, that shouldn't be. And then he gets in and decides he's going to change the rules with all the money that he had at the time and to allow him to have a third term. So I think term limits can be put in place. I think they are important. I do believe that federal court judges should um, sit for life. And the reason why I say this, because um, there is the political uh, um, influence of people who are trying to please the political party that put them in place. But we have someone like uh, Justice Clarence Thomas, who is still trying to please the, the conservatives right now, and he is the only African-American justice on the Supreme Court. and. He, he has been beholden to the conservatives who put him in place from the very beginning. No one sees him as a neutral justice. And I, as much as I feel about um, the opinions of, of Justice Thomas, still believe that the Supreme Court justices should sit, sit for life. So I'm not saying this just to allow you know, the liberal justices are opposed to the conservative justices to sit for life. I'm saying that overall, based on the politicians, the Congress people in the House of Representatives who run every two years for their seats, spend so much time getting into office, so much time trying to gain reelection, that it's very difficult, I think, for them to focus on the job at hand, difficult, not impossible, but difficult the senators come in, they, it seems like every senator comes in and, be, and leaves office richer than when they came in to the office, which is also very disconcerting for me. And, and as was pointed out by this, this listener, they get in and stay forever because they've been able to curry favor in certain areas and indirectly, you know, give their constituents, those people with money who in turn give them money for reelections and this one hand feeding the other. And it's, or slapping the other, and it's it's a, the part of politics that stinks wholeheartedly, especially when the regular people do not make their voices heard. We have another listener on the line, our next caller. You're on this special edition of Law of the Land. Hello. Good afternoon. Hello.
3: Hello, Miss Gloria Brad Marshall. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing well.
3: Um, yeah. Bringing it back to uh, Justice Ginsburg, I was very disheartened uh, to hear the, the news last night that she passed away. I was hoping that she would hold on at least to the election. Um, I, I, I agree with you as far as the lifetime appointment. I believe the impeachment process should be more open, though, because some of these justices, just the, the, especially on the Supreme Court, it should not be. It should not play politics with the law. The law, uh, the, uh, all of the gains that we have gotten as far as with civil rights, as far as with uh, with, with, with rights of the poor, only a generation away. These people sit on these terms for the rest of their lives, even though they are well up in age. They can live for a long time, and these and these decisions last. And these are the ways that the government can be changed through the law by by, by changing the laws and, and and making them better or getting rid of laws that don't belong there, as the Dred Scott decision. We 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 improve society. So I believe in the in the lifetime appointment. I just think the impeachment process should be more open, but I hope that they don't that the uh, that the Congress, so not so much as the Senate, doesn't allow this man if he does doesn't allow him to make a choice before the election. They don't appoint anyone because they did the same thing to Barack Obama. They said it was too his term was too short and that he shouldn't be allowed to appoint anybody with such short a term. I believe the same standard should be held to this orange individual. Thank you.
0: Thank you so much. And this is a special edition of Law of the Land. Law of the Land is normally heard Tuesday mornings at 9 a.m., from 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. My name is Gloria J. Brown Marshall. I'm your host of Law of the Land. This special edition was created just for you on WBAI. This is what we do for our listeners, because we know that there are things that you want to say, from George to Dawn to the gentleman who just spoke You are all BAI listeners. We may not agree on all of these terms and and issues, and that's the way life should be. I, I believe in diversity, but I also believe in being informed and being inspired, and we have to be informed and inspired about our court, as was just pointed out. Too many of us don't realize the United States is the most litigious nation in the world. We have more judges. We have more attorneys. We have more laws, and we have more lawsuits than any. Any other nation. Yet, do we read our Constitution? You know that I teach constitutional law. You know I'm a geek about this, that I cover the U.S. Supreme Court for you and bring it back to you for Law of the Land. Be a BAI buddy. Be a BAI buddy and tell them that you're doing it because you want to support Law of the Land and all the great programs we have on WBAI. We have another listener on this special program of Law of the Land. You're on the air. Yes. Hi. Hello.
4: Hi. Hi. Uh, this is John. I live in Northern Jersey, New, New Jersey. Uh, I'm a Hispanic Democrat. In my town, it's only 95% Republicans. We waited in this town like over two hours to vote. Um, just to let you know, it just didn't happen in Democratic, you know, ran uh, cities and, that, and areas. Now, just to go back to the voting on, um, I own properties in Patterson, New Jersey. And they just had an election a few months ago, and I can tell you that it was a complete disaster. Every building that I own, there was ballots all over the floors for several days. People that moved out years ago, and then it turned out that there was people going around collecting all the ballots, and there was 800 ballots put all together in a row, band. So let me tell you, if, if you don't think it's going to be a disaster, mail in, it's going to be, I don't know who's going to cheat either side or whatever, you know, I don't care what side you're on. It's a complete disaster um, if they continue with this mail-in ballots. Um So it's just something to think about that it might come back to bite the Democrats because uh, it's really bad.
0: Yeah, and thank you so much. And, and I can see this because there's also been no information given that's consistent on when you're supposed to request the mail-in ballot, where you're supposed to send it. Um, also, what are the deadlines to get the mail-in ballot in so that people can start comparing signatures? Because that's the other thing that they do. You can't just pick up a ballot and send it in, even though Donald Trump is telling people to vote twice, which caused even more confusion. I guess that was what he's supposed to do inside of his very... Confused mind, um, but to, to to the caller's point, I think I think it's true. I think it is going to be um, just chaos for the most part, and that issue, and there are going to be many of them. But that issue about the the voters actually getting their votes counted is going to be an issue before the U.S. Supreme Court. And just like in Bush versus Gore and the issue of the hanging chads in in Florida, that issue is going to be before the court. And if we have this conservative, for example, Amy Amy Coney Barrett, Amy Coney Barrett is the front runner. They've been showing her as the conservative who will pass all the tests and follow in this cult like, you know, um, lockstep with Donald Trump and the conservatives, she's anti-abortion. She's already gone into this with a pledge of being anti-abortion. So Roe versus Wade is one of the decisions they want to overturn. They want to overturn affirmative action. They want to limit immigration. They, especially immigrants from places of color and make this more of a a white country. Um, They want to, they want to also expand the rights of the corporations and narrow the rights of people and their ability to challenge the corporate dogma. And they also are looking at looking at protesters as members of insurrection so they can be crushed by the government and the use of the military to crush protesters. These things are the issues on the line when it comes to the Supreme Court. As we already know, the Supreme Court's term begins October 5th. October 5th, before the election, we're going to start hearing oral arguments for the 2020 term of the court. And so those oral arguments, as I said, will render decisions that if it's a 4-4 tie, the lower court's decision will stand, whatever that is. The lower court has already been packed with over 200 judges that have been swiftly nominated and voted on by by this Senate because under the Constitution, the president nominates, but it's within advice and consent of the senate that a judge is actually put on the bench or ascends to the bench so we have a number of issues that are going to be coming before this court in the near future within the next few weeks that are of primary importance to the average person this is law of the land a special broadcast on the passing of ruth bader ginsburg we have another caller on the line
1: we do not that was actually the last caller for now
0: Thank you, Giovanni. You're Giovanni welcome. and I are having this very wonderful um, BAI conversation with you. And I think it's so important for you to understand that this radio station is here for you. This is such a unique opportunity to actually talk about the law of the land, to actually discuss these issues that are going to be important to you. I want you to think about this when it comes to law. And this might help you to better understand. How important law is and how much of law is all around you. When you go into a building and you see the red exit signs, when you go in the elevator and you see the number of people who are allowed in the elevator, when you walk down the street and you see the stoplight, the stop sign, the yield sign, when you see any of these things, you are seeing law. The law is all around us in ways in which we don't even think about anymore. But we should because law is affecting our lives every single day. And we are in the United States, the last standing superpower left from the 20th century. We are in New York City in the Northeast, these very powerful places within our nation We must understand, even in the midst of a pandemic, the governmental process of voting must take place. Let's go back 100 years. In 1918 to 1920, we had the Spanish flu, which was worse than the pandemic that we're suffering through right now. Yet in that time of the Spanish flu, we still had local elections, we still had midterm elections and yes, we still had a presidential election. And if you go back and look at people during that time, they wore a mask. And the reason why we are even here today, those people who had ancestors during that time is because they protected themselves and allowed themselves to have families who then had children. And we are here today as evidence of them being able not just to be a part of the political process when it wasn't um, race-based, those people who were allowed to be a political process, part of the political process, but also to live in a, in a land in which there was an ongoing fight for a democracy. 1919 was also the Red Summer. And in 1919, we had the worst race riots, people who were killing people of African descent, people who were burning black businesses. This whole idea of during a pandemic that people act out is not new. This rise in nationalism that Trump has, has spirited has, and, and inflamed is not new. However, the democracy survived that time period. And as was pointed out, we had decisions that came through the U.S. Supreme Court many more of these decisions came through the US Supreme Court like brown versus board of education and loving versus virginia and then we had going through congress Congress then came to the fore with the Voting Rights Act, the Fair Housing Act, the Civil Rights Act. And Justice Ginsburg was known during the 1970s to challenge the discrimination against women in all aspects of American life. So law has played a major role in what we take for granted today the fact that we are members of unions or our parents were members of unions that gave us a step up in the world. The, the fact that we had lawsuits brought against um, colleges and universities to open them up. The the fact that the the people who were of low income had access to those colleges and universities. So much has been based in law. As we go through to the end of this special broadcast of Law of the Land on WBAI, I want us to better understand that we have to push forward. As I stated, Ruth Bader Ginsburg was a Brooklynite. She was known as the Notorious RBG because she was named (laughs) based on the Notorious B.I.G., who was also from Brooklyn. There was a spirit in her when I would see her in court, a decisiveness in which she said, what would be a dissenting opinion at one point In another time in history would rise to be the majority opinion. And we have to rise and be willful warriors, willful warriors, just like Ruth Bader Ginsburg. She did not live her life in vain. And for those of us who are devastated by her loss and we're wondering, what should we do next? How should we go forward? Instead of ending with my normal song of feeling good, I want to end with this song and this is by the staple singers i want us to better understand that we have to take the weight now that she's no longer here after 87 years we have to take our rightful place as activists we are the leaders we've been waiting for. Each and every one of us has an obligation to fight for our democracy, to fight to defend our rights against authoritarianism. We have to fight back, we have to push back, we have to do it in the name of what we think of our ancestors and their contributions, do it in the name of what we think has been given to us as sacrifices by people like Justice Ginsburg and others. We all have activists, either known or unknown to us. We can read about and better understand how to take a stand. It's now or never. As we go forward, my book, She Took Justice, that's my new book I have coming out. She Took Justice. And she took justice... It speaks to the women from 1619 to 1969 who fought for justice. She took justice is what I'm talking about, how no one is going to sit back and give us a democracy. We were born into it or inherited a democracy. But in order for us to keep it, it's going to require a fight. And the fight is on. Put on your boxing gloves and come out punching because now we have to make sure you put your values on the line what do you believe in how hard do you believe in it and we have generations to come unnamed who are going to look back at us and think ask and question what did you do in the year 2020 to maintain a democracy what did you do to make sure that this regime did not just roll over everything we believe in. How did you play a role in keeping the next generation safe? Now is not the time and your silence will not protect you. This has been a special edition of Law of the Land. Listen for me on Tuesdays at 9 a.m. Law of the Land with Gloria J. Brown Marshall. My engineer has been Giovanni. We have worked very hard in this memorial to the late Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Stay strong, stay in peace, work hard, and make a difference. And I'll see you on the radio.